0: A few people that weren't here last week, I kind of went on this uh, uh, lovely um, journey of declaration, uh, which I think the enemy just got a little bit excited about, um, and that's that we truly have become one with God, and that God actually, in Ephesians 5.1, tells us, be imitators of Him, and, uh, and in our oneness with Him, we've become one with the great I Am and that we've understood and believed that God is uh, the God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow, but He is outside of time. He is the eternal God, and so He lives in the I Am right now. It's why I love, absolutely, when, when, when um, sharing and teaching with people from whether they're five years old or whether they're 90 years old, I keep telling them that God is the God of I Am. It's not, it doesn't, you're not on a journey with Him that he was working in your life and now you're getting a little bit older, he's slowing down with your, your, the journey and uh, maybe he doesn't do so much with you as you get older. He's the God of I Am. I don't care what age you are, he is the God of I Am. So right now if you're I Am 91, um, then he's the God of I Am, to move as powerfully and as mightily through you right in that point as the God of I Am moving through a 21-year-old. Amen. His promises are exactly the same. He is the same in your life. That's why he, generations, God's the God of, of generations, right? And so I was just sharing too about as the God of I am, the one that we've come into li- into union with, as one with him, the, the God of the great I am isn't just our open checkbook so we can now say, I am a Rolls Royce owner. I am... It's 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 also who we are in God. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Right in this particular point in time. So I shared about we're not wannabes. I don't want to be. I'm not moving in the kingdom of God from one place to somewhere in God because that's what He's purchased for me. I'm also not a when a when we. Uh, do you remember when we were seven and, and God moved? Do you remember when we were ten? Do you remember when I was in my mother's womb. Um, Sorry, that was a dig. Forgive me, Lord. Um, Oh, should I go there? (laughs) Let me just encourage you with this. I don't think it really matters what happened in your mother's womb. Once you get born again. Because once you get born again, you become a new creature in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.17. At the end of the day, friends, how many of us are actually, I am, a new creature? Old things have passed away. How many are declaring and speaking and believing and walking in that versus just maybe something happened when I was in my mother's womb and my mom got upset, whatever, or my mom wanted to... Abort me or get rid of me. And now that somehow miraculously, fantastically, awesomely has an effect now my life at 45. I don't know why. Someone needs to hear this. At the end of the day, he is the great I am right now. And what he speaks and what he declares, you become one with him. And as you become one with him, you become who he is. And when God sees you, he sees Christ and he sees who Christ is. And so now everything, as you read in the Word of God, is in Christ. So I'm now in Christ. So anything that doesn't fit into that is not him. It's not his Word. So I look and I say, I'm now, I am in Christ. So my life is now hidden in Christ. So when he looks at me, he sees me in Christ. So, so what's Christ like? That's who I am. Amen. Let me not go down that road too far because I think I went down there long enough last week. But what I just felt today is is just when you come into union with Christ, when you when you come into Him, it's it's not this this partnership or of of I give you my all, my bit, and you give me your all, and then. Now we've got our all together. In Christ we die. <laughs> I, I, I had the privilege of doing a wedding yesterday, um, and it was um, it was it was a it was a very beautiful emotional wedding. Um, and for for this only for this main reason is um, when the when the bride. Um, when the bride began to say her vows to, to her husband, she started to, to share just who he was to her and how much she did love him. And then she reached behind her. A, a, there was a, a little thing there, whatever, and she pulled out um, a bowl of water and began to wash his feet. I don't know how many here have been brides or want to be brides, but I know on that day, you really want to look your best, you buy an absolute fortune of a dress and do all your hair and, and do everything all nicely and make yourself really dickied up and, uh, and so does the man. And, um, and he also, well, he doesn't buy a dress, but he, he, uh, he makes himself all dickied up and you, and you have this moment where they want to look their best and it was almost like she forgot everything else and she knelt down in her dress. And she began to wash his, his feet and her and her veil just, just slopped in the water. And she didn't care because she was showing him something. And remind me about the bride of Christ. Just he's worth everything, and we give our everything to him. As we come into union with him, it's 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 probably one of the most beautiful moments. And I want us to understand. Being one with Christ, it's, it's not that I bring anything of myself into the equation. Because if I bring anything of myself into the equation, the enemy has something to, to speak into. But I come into that place of total denying. Deny yourself. Of letting everything of who I am come into him, and then all there is is him. And that's where you want to be. You want to be just totally in him. Because let the enemy try and accuse. Who then? Who then can accuse? So the Bible says, who can actually make an accusation against the Lord? And uh, and I'm hidden now in that understanding. Whew, anyway. So w- once we come into that place of union, once we come to that place in the Lord, we have to understand that... That is a very powerful, a very wonderful place, a place in which God um, created and paid a price for us to operate and to live in. And how many know we're not quite operating or living in that place yet? And so it is a journey of learning and saying to the Lord, teach us, saying to the Lord, saying to the Lord, teach us and help us because um, we want to we experience it more and more and more. Amen. I I have been since I was a little boy. I have always been a guy that's asked questions. I thought it was a great thing until I had a son (laughs) who started asking me questions. (laughs) And, uh, And then I found out I didn't have the answers or I just believed something that somebody had told me. I said, no, but it's right because that's what we say in church. And, uh, and he said, well, I don't care what we say in church. Where, where did you get it from? Why do you, what does it mean? And, uh, and I had to kind of start going, okay, let me think about some of these things. So, so when the Bible uh, tells us, Ephesians 2, um, verse 6, 6 and 7, that we've been raised up with him and we seated with him in heavenly places, what does that mean to you I? that we're seated in heavenly places? Is it a Disney movie, is it a, just a nice thing that we put on, a, on, our, on our fridges, or is it actually a reality that we have been seated in heavenly places, that Christ, now that we're in union with Him, He didn't just um, allow us, we, we actually are seated with Him in heavenly places, and then you've got to ask yourself the question, which we won't go in today because it will take us on a rabbit trail, but you've also got to ask yourself about heavenly places, and whether is he talking about a physical location or a place, or is he actually talking about authority and the place of dominion where the rule and reign of God operates. Amen? Ooh. I was just looking through scriptures, Deuteronomy twenty-eight thirteen, and it's talking about blessings and curses, it talks about the blessing um, that we're the head, not the tail, what does that mean? That we as the people of God are the head in Christ, because he fulfilled the law. So now all the blessings we operate now, we are the seed of Abraham, all the promises to Abraham are now ours. So we are now the head, not the tail, right? Um, if you want to, in your Bibles, if you've got your Bibles, it's always good to have your Bibles. I always say I want to hear the crinkling of pages, but it's very hard on an iPhone, unless you've got an app that crinkles pages. <laughs> um, psalm 8 is probably one of my all-time favorite psalms, the whole psalm, but anyway, I'll read the whole psalm, what the heck, because um, it's so beautiful. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. I actually want to break in psalm, um, but I'm just dangerous, i will empty the room, but... Um, you know that one. Oh Lord, our oh Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth? Okay, You have set Your glory above the heavens. You've set Your glory above the heavens. It's that's that's not a place. We are called to live in His glory. You have set your glory above the heavens. Let me not get sidetracked. Out of the mouth of babes and infants you have established strength, because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. It's declaring this over us. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? It's almost like if you had to look out and you see all the splendour and the wonder and the heavens and all of this, and then you had to focus down and go, and what is man? That you are mindful of him. And the son of man that you care for him. Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings. Depending what translation you got there. The Septuagint will tell you uh, angels. A little lower than the angels. And some translations will say a little lower than God. Um, and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. Isn't that beautiful? If you shoot to the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 2, stay with me. I need to build something if I'm going to declare something. Um, Hebrews chapter 2, uh, verse 5 For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> what is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. I could unpack that and stay there for a while, but let me just say this: when Jesus came to the earth, the Bible says that he was made a little lo- for a while, just a little lower than the angels, only to, as a man, to conquer. And to fulfill the mandate that God had given him to be raised again, to be seated next to, on the right hand of God, for us now to be seated in him, so that we can rule and reign. So where are we, and what authority do we have? That's why in the age to come, we will have authority over the angels. I can see some of that just went... Okay. Okay. you made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, uh, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present we do not see everything in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of his death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone, for his fit- fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory. In bringing many sons to glory. There's a picture here that Jesus is trying to for, to, to get us to understand um, about who we are in in, in him. And uh, without going back there because I touched on it a little bit. But in Ephesians chapter 1, if you read, go into read Ephesians chapter 1, um, God begins to express and begins to declare who we are um, as, as a start. He talks about saints, that uh, we are saints, we are blessed. Um, he's blessed us in Christ Jesus with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. Uh, in Him He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons, we have been blessed. We have been adopted. Um, there's there's a there's a declaration there that God speaks over every single one of our lives that we cannot um, earn or deserve, but that Christ purchased for us on the cross. So when I come into union and come into line with Him, I come into that place of who He is. It's now who I am in my life. So now when I stand in that place, why are we not declaring, speaking that which? who we are, into our situations. There are many, many people at the moment, many Christians, many people in church life, who um, are going through difficult, challenging times, who who ask for prayer and say, you know, um, are going through such rejection. Friends, you cannot, as a believer, go through rejection if you understand and believe who you are, that you've been accepted in the Beloved. How many know that Jesus... When he was, uh, when he entered his baptism, when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration, the Father spoke over him and said, uh, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. I am now in Christ. I am in Christ. I'm with, joined with Christ. If Christ is God's beloved, then, then God is speaking to me, my beloved. So I am his beloved, and he is mine. And his banner over us is love. That's also a scripture. You Don't read Song of Songs. Anyway, side issue. I almost, um, you know, when I was thinking about this, I almost want to use uh, this illustration. It's uh, when, when I, you know, when we, as you, as parents, when you, uh, your kids are growing up and they're small and they're learning to do certain stuff, they always want to come to daddy and they want to know, show daddy, right? Um, so, like with my kids, they would come and I'll use Connor because I can. Um, so Connor would come and he would go, dad, 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 you must see, gee was look and see how good I am at diving. So he, I'd go, sure, that's good, boy, let's, you know, wonderful, whatever, and he would come to the edge of the pool, <laughs> and he would, and he would do one of the best belly flops you've, <laughs> and, uh, almost, you know, dive face first, um. But as a father, as a father, I would be like, wow. As almost as if I have never seen a dive like that ever before in my life. Well I hadn't, but, but it was it was it was such it was such a joy, such excitement when he would get out the pool and he would go, Dad, did you see that? And I'd go, whoa. That is so magnificent. I'm so proud of you. You are the best diver in the whole world. It didn't matter that that was the worst dive I'd ever seen in my life. He was the best diver in the whole world. Friends, that is your father. Your father is not looking at you going, okay, well, good try. Try again later. He's seeing you through Christ. And in Christ, you are the best diver in the whole world. I don't care if you're just holding your hands and belly belly flopping. In God, you are the best diver. And so you see, as you begin to have that understanding, we should have actually the very opposite. I should be counseling people that are just, you guys are just too over the top. You've taken confidence to another level. Honestly, the church should be just a people, you, you, you're like, these guys, it doesn't matter what you say to them. Just, they are just going to do it. It's like, no, no, you're not really that good at it, whatever. (laughs) Buddy, I am going to do it. (laughs) Because my father said, I am a great diver. In fact, we had that, uh, circumstances like that at some stages where it would be like, no, Dad, I've entered the race. Because you told me. (laughs) And I'd be like, oh, dear God, have mercy. (laughs) They're going to have to. Put a watch after five minutes and go rescue him out the pool, <laughs> because if he doesn't get to the other side, that. But that's kind of like our father. Um, you you can't deserve God's favour. You've got it, uh, if I can kind of say it like that. And and uh, and so I want to I want to I want to I wanna, um, maybe just stir us up a little bit this morning to say that, um, that we have everything that we need and that Jesus purchased it and paid the price on the cross for us to walk in the fullness of all that God has for us. It's all done. It's all there. It's all ready. It's all beautiful. It's all waiting, friends. But it, the enemy has certainly tried to, to attack this place of, of, uh, of having to get to it Um, or this place of the past speaking into it that doesn't allow me to go forward. We've got to break those things off. We cannot let... You see, what Paul was trying to explain in Philippians 3 was that Jesus has grabbed hold of him. Jesus has done something. He grabbed hold of Paul's life, and he did something to Paul's life. Paul said, all I do now, forgetting what lies behind, I want to grab hold of that which my life has been grabbed hold of. Um, it's Jesus has done this work, I've been grabbed hold of. Now I am, with every part of my being, pursuing, grabbing hold of him. Um, and, and so, you, you know, when you've got scriptures like 2 Peter 1, 4, which says, you know, we are partakers of his divine nature. Doesn't your heart want to stir and say, I want that in my life. I want to be a partaker of his divine nature. I want to live like that. Um, And so there's something lost in the translation of the expression of who we are rather than trying to get to where God wants us to be. I I hope I'm I'm, I'm explaining it well. Um, Maybe, let me, I'll just, as a reference, let's just quickly go to Isaiah 40 if you should know this. Uh, Isaiah 40, um, in verse 27, it says, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? Why do you say, My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not uh, known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to whom who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, young suckers, um, and young men shall fall exhausted. <laughs> but the old bulls—no, no—it doesn't say that. But I just put it in there for fun. No, it says. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and shall not faint. It's just a declaration here that God is speaking over us. That don't put your trust in anything else. Put your trust in Him. You're not, uh, it's not as if He doesn't know. He sees you. He does know you. And He will give you strength, those that are feeling weak. He will empower you and you'll mount up. It doesn't say that you will mount up and become eagles. It doesn't talk about uh, us flying. It says you shall run and not be weary. See, this is all about the walk and the journey that we have in the Lord that To walk this journey in the Lord, we need to be a people that rise up and come from a higher place. Now I'm going somewhere. So in order for us to live and to operate and to work in what Christ has called us to, we have to go up to a higher place. See, Song of uh, Solomon 2.10 says, My beloved speaks and says, Arise and come away with me. Now, I know you might have filled in there Hawaii or um, Plettenberg Bay. Um, but where does he want to take us to? It's the same as Psalm 91, where he who dwells in the secret place. Of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Where is this secret place? There must be a higher place, a higher life than the church has ever been able to walk in or experience so that we can ultimately be the generation that fulfills everything that he paid for on the cross. See, right from the very beginning, he said to Moses, come up here. Right? Whenever we speak to Moses, he said to Moses, come up here. He didn't just say, Moses, it's all right, it's all chilled, let me just talk to you. No, come up here so that I can speak to you. And when he came up there, God began to speak. So there was a coming up. Even Abraham, and he said, no, you need to take your son to sacrifice, but you need to come up the mountain. You're looking at me a little bit. So what happens is two plates, they push together, and then there's this earth goes up, and it's called a mountain, and uh, <laughs> So he's telling us to come up, but the the truth of the matter is that was under the law. So let's quickly read Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. And I'll just read from verse. I'll just read from verse 18. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. He's obviously referring to when God called the whole of Israel, the people of God, to come to the mountain. He was going to speak to them. And uh, it was quite scary. There was a lot of all this action going on. And they said, Moses, you go up. God wanted to speak to all of them, but they said, Moses, you go up. Should never have, have said that. But he's saying, you have not come to that mountain. Um, and he did say, if even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. There's no problem with coming before the Lord trembling, um, but come before him. Amen. Um, it's not a casual thing. He's, he's God. And if there's mountains that are ablaze and actions happening, then it's quite a, quite a thing, right? But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Connor did a great job the other night. And to innumerable innumerables in you. Mirabal, yeah, lots. Uh, You've come to lots and lots and lots of angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. What is he trying to give us a picture? Yeah, he's trying to give us a picture that we don't come to a natural mountain anymore, but we come to a spiritual mountain. We come to the mountain of the Lord. Um, but it's still a come up here, right? A come up to the Lord. The old was a top and a shadow, and the new is now um, a spiritual Position and place in God I won't let me leave. So when Isaiah fifty five, verse eight and nine says When God says, My thoughts are higher than your thoughts, and my ways are higher than your ways. And we kind of go, oh, you see, God thinks, and God, it's like, oh, it's so much higher than me. And then we read 1 Corinthians chapter 2, where it goes on to tell us that but the Spirit will reveal those things. There is a place in God that we can draw in, draw near to Him, even though His ways are high and His thoughts are high, where the Holy Spirit can reveal those things to us. There is a realm, I'm. I'm ultimately trying to get you to a place where there's a realm in God within which we're where we are supposed to operate from as we um, walk and journey in this earth it's a spiritual realm it's a realm where the thoughts are higher than our thoughts down here they're not they this cannot be done academically This cannot be done by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The whole book of Revelation, let me give you it in a nutshell and spoil the movie completely. The whole book of Revelation is explaining to you and I that you are a three-part being. You are spirit, you are soul, and you are body. And if two-thirds of you, six, 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 if two-thirds of you are not operating or conforming or aligning itself to God, there's a major problem. And that thing is like a beast. And you have to, in your, as in your spirit, be able to take control over your soul and over your body. You have to be led uh, uh, and, and, and directed by God uh, in order to fulfill, achieve, and do all that He's called you to do. Otherwise, that thing can be quite vicious and quite evil because there's nothing more evil than the heart of man without Jesus Christ. So there's this whole big picture here of how the world is in this big tussle and how the people of God have this incredible mandate to rescue people, to cause people to be delivered and set free from their flesh. I'll let the cat out of the bag again, but anyway, that's fine. There's so many cats being let out of the bag here. It's quite a... So for the... We're still all right. For, for the sake of time, let, let me just, I'll just give you um, uh, just some scriptures that you can meditate on, and, and just, I'm trying to help you understand who you are, these incredible statements about who you are, and yet we live in this world, we don't seem to be achieving or operating the way God wants us to live, we're falling short of that, whatever, and then we start to blame ourselves, and then start to either push it away, and say, well, it's not for now. It's for actually for later. It's almost like healing. Now one day there'll be every, well, there's healing, but right now God is not necessarily heal. Um, so you know, sometimes you've got to just He's teaching and He's telling us certain things. Pfft, um, absolute garbage. It's all for now. God has given it to us now. All. There's some things in my life that I need to fix and sort out in order to get me to a certain place. So I'm over here, and once I get more faith and I get more filled with God, I'll be able to then step into that. All of that is garbage. Um, What Jesus has done is a finished work. When he said it was finished, it is finished. But how we outwork this thing, friends, the problem is, is that most of the people of God are carnal. And they do not operate from a place of the heavenly. They do not operate, operate as spiritual men. And Paul said, I wish I could tell you a whole bunch of stuff, but you're still carnal. You need to become spiritual. Even Jesus could talk to the uh, um, um, Nicodemus, who was the man who studied this. He studied everything, and he would say to them, if you don't even understand earthly things, how am I supposed to start talking about heavenly things? There's stuff that God wants to speak and declare right now. There are mysteries that He wants to reveal to the people of God um, that we need to be as spiritually minded, as spiritually operating people who operate from the spiritual realm because we are not born of this natural realm. We're not born of the will of man. We're not born through natural. We are born from above totally born again, new creatures in Christ. We operate and think completely differently. I live in this world with my five senses, but I also live in the spiritual realm and I have everything that I need to operate, breathe, and live, and see in that realm. And I must operate from that realm into this realm in order for God's will and His plan and His purpose to prevail. Amen. So there was a lot of spitting saying that, but anyway. Um, so in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, for the front row... All I can say is, sorry for you. Um. But you could feel the anointing, right? No, okay. That was great. Anyway, so 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Oh, it's such a good, the whole thing. But um, what it's really sharing is just about the the glory of the Lord. And um, for the sake of time, just jump to verse 7. It says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. There is a treasure inside of us in these frail, jars of clay that one day God's going to deal with and get rid of so we can really express and, uh, and do our thing, right? So we do our thing a little bit now in these jars of clay they are a bit frail, but, but, but there's, the point is there's such a treasure. In John chapter 7, 37 to 39, Jesus, He stands up, anybody who's thirsty, come uh, and drink, and He says, and from your belly will f- flow rivers of living water. There are rivers of living water that are inside of every single one of us that God wants to release and wants it to flow now. So everybody who comes into your presence will experience the glory of the Lord. Everybody who comes into your presence will drink from the fountain of life that you'll be impacting people's lives. Colossians chapter 1, 26 and 27, the Bible says this whole mystery is Christ in us. Amen? The hope of glory. So when people gather around you, um, there's a There's a taste, taste and see, that they'll be able to taste and they'll be able to see and feel God. Amen? This is where we want to go. So, having said all of that, to try and say this now in 15 minutes, okay. So hear me here. Jesus said, every tree shall be known by its fruit scriptures, Luke 6, and Matthew 12, 33, every tree shall be known by its fruit, not by gifts. See, gifts are things that hang on trees or under trees. You see, because when you come to him, you come to a, a father You don't come to Father Christmas. You come to a father. Every tree shall be known by its fruit, not by gifts. Fruit is something that grows on trees, not by works. Otherwise, the tree must produce the fruit. But trees bear fruit. They don't work for fruit. Now, some of you, ding, 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 the pinball machine is working. Others, there's total tilt and um, we need to just reset the machine. Every tree shall be known by its fruit, not by its gifts, and not by works. Otherwise, the tree works must produce fruit. What I would encourage you is one night, sneak out into your garden and begin to walk amongst your trees. And if you hear, come and talk to me. I have a size XL just for you, so that we can put you in a place of safety. (laughs) You see, but a tree bears fruit. It does not work for fruit. A tree is not known by its works, it's known by its fruit. So when we look at John 15, Jesus says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Remember I shared, I think, the other week, the incorrect translation. those that don't bear fruit. uh, He chops them off. That's it. I mean, that just is not consistent with the New Testament or anything about the nature and the character of God. Um, That's the wrong interpretation of the Greek word um, because it says... Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, that Greek word is, he lifts up. So we're planted in him. He's nourishing us. He's working with us. And a tree is known by its fruit. So if, we're not, if there's no fruit, he just lifts us up and to enable us to be fruitful. Because often the only reason why we're not fruitful is because we are down. And the reason we are down is because we forgot whose we are and who I am in. Right? I hope I'm saying that, but and then those that, that bear fruit he prunes so they can bear even more fruit. Woohoo. So he's almost like saying, "You guys are doing a great job. We're just going to tweak here and there um, so that you can pop out even more." Um, if I, had, I was able to ask my um, lemon tree friend on the church property to come here and stand with me today, he would be able to tell you that I planted him a year or so ago, and he has bore me about seven or eight lemons, um, But I was not quite satisfied. Um That he had done his full effort um, <laughs> no, so that that the the tree had not so I did a little bit of adjusting, and he is now uh, very much more much more fruitful and <laughs> and he 's very excited um with me so it's it 's good so god 's intention is for us to bear fruit, right every person, every, every child of God, God's intention is that you and I would be fruitful. God's intention is that everybody that would come our way and encounter us, they would be able to taste and see and pick the fruit and enjoy the fruit of our lives, right? So He needs to put something in place where those kind of things are not dependent. I must be ready in season and out of season, he doesn't want that to be dependent on certain circumstances, situations, or things that are happening in our lives to where the people that come along oh, If you'd only come yesterday, it was a good day. You would have got a smiley face and a real high five, and a, you would have just been, it would have been fine. It would have been so good. Today, nah, not so good. Um, sorry, I lost all my fruit yesterday through my toys, whatever it was, and now you're getting a bit of a bear tree with hardly any leaves. That's not. The Christian's life. Why? Because we're not rooted in ourselves. We're rooted in in Christ. And He is fruitful and flourishing all the time, right? Amen. So very quickly, Galatians 5, and I'm landing. According to South African Airways. um, So yeah, you can leave a bit later and go park in the parking lot and... And uh, and wait a bit. So in Galatians five, um, let me just quickly say this: uh, Galatians chapter five and verse. Should I read from verse thirteen? For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word: you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. That was just free and I threw that out there to make someone uncomfortable. No, Um, it's, it's a very good starting point for what I want to share now. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. To keep you from doing the things that you want to do. So, right now, as the people of God, we stand in a place where we are in union and one with Jesus Christ, wanting to now flow and be who He's called us to be, to come into line. I want to, to know who I am, speak who I am, and manifest who I am. And in that place, I need to operate from the realm that I was created from because I'm not of this world. I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm actually just sojourning here. So I have a passport. I've been trained. Um, I am from this world. I'm now um, seated actually in that world. I am, as well as I'm, my feet are in this world. And I, I, for me to begin to operate and to do that, I need to be able to operate from that world and that that realm is called the spiritual realm. And we are called spiritual people. So if you're uncomfortable with all that, let's just say that realm is called Zambia. And we're in South Africa and I'm operating from Zambia. Why Zambia? Because I was born there. So, um, I'm just using something where I was born. But anyway, so, so now I'm beginning to operate. And in order for me to operate here, I have to be hearing as to what uh, is going on in Zambia. But something that's stopping me doing that is my flesh. And I haven't got time to unpack that in full detail. But it's, what it's saying here is that if I walk by the Spirit, then I won't actually allow the flesh to speak or to operate in my life. So in order for us to stop the things that might be interrupting or breaking into our lives, the Bible says you don't concentrate on those things. You walk by the Spirit. If you concentrate on those things, you're just going to get stuck into that, and you're never going to get free, right? So Lord, I really want to be a guy that's full of fruit. I want to be somebody who comes and picks uh, fruit from me, but I really have such a bad temper And all it needs is some taxi to cut me off, whatever and that, or some guy to bump into me, or somebody to do something, whatever and that. And all the fruit, I lose all the fruit. And so now I'm going to go to anger management classes. You can go to anger management classes until you are anger managed completely, and you will still not succeed. Because the way you succeed is not by concentrating on it, it's by walking By the Spirit, right? Walk by the Spirit, you're not gratifying the lust of the flesh. The desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. There is a complete opposition going on here between flesh and Spirit. And if we are Spirit beings, and we've got to operate from the spiritual realm, we've got to know there's an attack going on between flesh and Spirit. Right? Right? Let's see if I can shortcut here a little bit. Um, so it keeps you from doing the things you want to do. That's why it's telling us. We, every single Christian wants to, he knows what he wants to do, but he ends up not doing it because the flesh gets in the way and stops him from doing it, right? Now the works of the flesh are evident, and we can read all of those. I won't go through the whole lot, but you, you can read them for yourselves. Um, and it says, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Ding, ding. Um, that's the finish, but let me, let me just. So, So first of all, the first thing that he says here is that we must walk by the Spirit. The second thing he says is we must be led by the Spirit. So, if you and I walk by the Spirit, and because we're, the Bible says that we've been made alive by the Spirit, how many know? Because of Jesus Christ, we were made alive by the Spirit. But now he's telling us we've got to be a people that walk by the Spirit. We've also got to be a people that are led by the Spirit. If we walk by the Spirit and we led by the Spirit, because, you see, if you're led by the Spirit, those are the mature sons of God. And how many know that creation is groaning with eager anticipation for something? They, They anticipating that, so it must be something really exciting and very important, right? We don't want to be damp squibs or or just like a disappointment to creation um, because it's waiting for something very eager. So what it's waiting for is the excitement of sons. And these sons are powerful. What are these sons? These sons, they walk by the Spirit and these sons are led by the Spirit. If you walk by the Spirit and you're led by the Spirit, guess what? You have the fruit of the Spirit operating in your life. So, any, any teaching, any stuff, whatever, and that goes, Yes, I'm doing really well. I've got five of the fruits so far. Um, God is working on my life. I'm still going, is utter huey, right? Because the Holy Spirit is not split into fruits. The Holy Spirit is, if you have Holy Spirit, you have all the fruits operating in your life, which means at any stage you can display and people can taste and see the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Again, it says, against such um, the fruit of the Spirit, there is no law. So when I was just looking at this, I thought, what is law? Law is, the, is kind of the do's and the don'ts, right? It's the law. So I said it like this. So what happens during our day? During our day, we do a whole bunch of stuff. Stuff happens, whatever, and then we feel bad. I'm so sorry. Why did I do that? That was stupid. I should have done this. What does that actually mean? It means that there's law that that is coming against us, telling us and judging us uh, and judging our performance. See, why do you feel bad? Why why is it oh no, this is so horrible and you know what I messed up? I should have oh, you know what? I should have just said to him, Jesus loves you. But really, that was stupid of me. And I should you know what I should have just given him that five bucks that I had in my pocket that I was gonna buy well, nothing with. <laughs> um, <laughs> for five bucks. Yeah. Should have given him <laughs> So there are laws that, that, that come against us, and the Bible says if I walk by the Spirit and I'm led by the Spirit, I'll operate in the fruit of the Spirit, and if I operate in the fruit of the Spirit, then there is no laws, there's no laws that can operate, I am free, there's no laws that can operate against the fruit of the Spirit of God. If you want a side little issue, where does sin have its power? See, if you, if, you, um, if you take away the law, it loses its power. No law, no power. See, if we, if we don't operate like this and we operate outside of this, then we operate in works. We work instead of walking in the Spirit, right? So how do I walk in the Spirit? The Spirit and the flesh, they obviously stand opposed to one another, and the flesh does not want to do what the Spirit wants to do, right? The flesh wants to... Work. The flesh wants to achieve. The spirit wants to believe. See, the flesh wants to work. The flesh wants to achieve. But the spirit wants to believe. Now, that doesn't mean we sit on our backsides. Let me, that's a nice word to use in church, I don't know, your rear bump, bump, or whatever, or padded environment behind you. Um, but the reality is, is, is that Paul said that I work more than, than all of you, but not I, the grace of God. See, the grace of God will cause you to work, but the essence of the flesh is it wants you to do works when the essence of the Spirit is it wants you to believe. See, the things of God are not for achievers. The things of God are for believers. One, and John 1.16, For from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. See, we received it. Oh, and I'm going to land... I won't have time to do that. I will just let drop this one thought and just say this. If you go and study in, in, in Hebrews chapter ten, you'll realize um that the priests were offering sacrifice after sacrifice, offering after offering. Um, and it, it wasn't really achieving anything. It was just covering things up. And then the Bible says that Jesus came along and offered one sacrifice for all. The whole essence of Hebrews, particularly chapter 10, is to get us to understand this. God is not really interested in you giving him another sacrifice. So you sitting here today, you can work your little BP off. and it doesn't impress God. See, what does impress God is you having faith in the finished work of the cross. What does impress God is you having faith in the offering He made and gave. So, you see, as the people of God, the more we understand this, the more we put our trust and our faith in what Jesus has done on the cross, the more we come into that place where we can now, with freedom, begin to operate. Now, don't let that freedom gives you an excuse to do whatever you want to do. That freedom gives you the liberty to do what God has called you to do. You now can walk in that and you now can be who He's called you to be, the flavor of every single day, not just the month. Amen. And then I was going to share with you about your conscience and uh, how do you walk in the Spirit. Because um, on the cross, what Jesus paid the price for was to give you a clear conscience. And your conscience now becomes the voice of God. And if you will now listen uh, to your conscience, listen to the voice of God, then you'll be able to now begin to walk in what He's called you to do with such freedom and such liberty if you violate that and you say no to that because... Some of the people go, no, but I, I, I don't know. We, we, we all actually do know. What happens is we harden our hearts, and the Bible calls that 1 Timothy 4 you sear your conscience. But we, the Bible says we can draw near to God with confidence because our conscience has been sprinkled by the blood of Jesus. So our conscience now is clear, and our conscience begins to speak to us and begins to tell us things from the Spirit. And then we can now, hearing the voice of the Lord, be led. And as we're led by Him, our life becomes fruitful, the fruit of the Spirit's beginning to operate, and we begin to achieve all that God's got for us. Amen. Shall we stand? Now, I know I taught a little bit this morning. I didn't spit and... And jump up and down and get excited, um because sometimes the Word of God just needs to be unpacked layer upon layer, sometimes the Word of the Lord just needs to just come and just wash over us over and over again. Some things need to be said over and over again so that we get an understanding. Hold on a minute, and my whole heart as I was preparing this as I was just standing before the Lord is. I don't, want, I don't want us to go back into a robotic um, display of trying to see or make God move. Because um, even for me, after I preached last week, you know, I, I, I have already been kind of got my list of I am's anyway, of who I am and who he is, and so that means who I am in my life. So, you know, I am Jehovah Jireh, or I am Jehovah Raphae, or I am Jehovah Sidkenu, or um that's God. And those are declarations of who he is. So if that's who he is, that's also who who I am inside of me. Um so I have if he's Jehovah Rapha, then I have I have healing. Um and then um suddenly you got some pain in your back. And the first thing you want to do is say, I'm not saying that anymore. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm gonna say I got pain in my back, then. And it's it's not a formula. So you just you come before him and you just go, You're so good, Lord. Um I just love I love who you are and I love who I am and I love being in fellowship and relationship with you, and I love that nothing else will speak louder in my life than that. And that right now I can um declare that. Um, and trust you that more and more of you is becoming an expression uh, in my life that people can taste and see. That more and more of you is being manifest in my life. That yes, I have moments and I have days, but thank God I'm not rooted in me. I'm rooted in Him. So, so in those days, um, you know, it's I, I've, I've. I lose my way a bit in my identity because I'm always a good tree. So just because there's some bad fruit. See, people wobble with that. They go, oh, but I manifested some bad fruit, um, so I must be a bad tree. No, you're not a bad tree. You're a good tree. You just manifested some things that are not actually, shouldn't be on that tree. And so I bring myself back, not only deliverance from the bad fruit, I bring myself back to the tree, to the tree of life. Because he wants me to still stay there around the tree of the knowledge of good and evil where we can analyze and we can be analytical and where we can go through a whole bunch of stuff. God never gave us that ability, actually. That came in the fall of man. There is no way God gave us told us, why don't you just analyze everything I say? It doesn't matter that I'm God. I created everything. Everything that I say is true. I'm not a man that I should lie, but analyze it. What the heck? (laughs) What God gave us was a mind that can think, a mind that can believe, a mind that can imagine, a mind that can ask, a mind that can be stretched. We are so much more than what we actually even think and believe right now, that one day we're going to be designing galaxies, we're going to be declaring and speaking things that we couldn't even have in our little brains have imagined, because imagination comes from the Lord, He's a very creative God.